for your grace and mercy that you are with us. And we've heard uh, some powerful prayers this morning. And we know that you are not finished. You are not finished with us. And there is still a purpose and a plan that you are watching over and we're seeing it unfold day by day. And we pray, Lord, that we do speak, Jesus, that we do take authority, the authority that you have given us to speak over our families and over our loved ones and over our church and our church and spiritual community, but also our local community where we live as well and also our nation and even the nations of the world. So, Lord, help us to, to be all that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Well, this is the last in the series of Unstoppable God. Why Unstoppable God? Because we're looking at the model Jesus gave the church. And I want to know something, and I want to encourage you today as much as I can, that if Jesus has a model and he gives you something, says use this, this is what I recommend to do, then we would really do well to pay attention, to take that and to do something with it. To, to, to receive the gifts and the graces that Jesus has given to the church is paramount. And, and, it, and it, it, it makes great sense that we build not according to how we want to build or contribute to. God bless them, Lord, wherever they're going and whatever they're going to do. In Jesus' name. I often pray when I hear, and I just pray that they, don't, they live and not die. But Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that each one of us, Lord, would just get a stir of your gifts that have been given to this church. Lord, I pray that you have, you have spoken, you have imparted, and I thank you for the gifts that you are going to rise up today, Lord. I pray, Father, over this season, over this time, and over even for the, as we, we claw, draw to a close of this year, but even in the time of next year, Father, begin to do a new work, begin to do a fresh work that not, we, not something we can do or build, but something that you would want to do and can do through us in Jesus' name. And so Jesus has given us these gifts, these grace gifts. And I think for many a day and many a year in a century that the churches have ignored this and we've built our own pattern and our own structure and we think this is good. And I just wonder when Jesus died for the church, which it says in Ephesians chapter 5, when Jesus died for the church, did he die for a church that was decapitated? Did he die for a church that was broken and wounded and, and on life support? No, he didn't. He died for a victorious church, a robust church, a vibrant church, a church that he's given everything into. So there's no excuse when really churches close and die. We have no excuse before God why that happens. Now, it can come down to a lot of factors, and I haven't got time to get into that. Uh, it can, there's a whole lot of, well, that's a whole other subject. But it's not the Father's heart that churches close. It's not the Father's heart that churches dwindle down. It's not the Father's heart that His Son came, Jesus came and died for the church, that, that it would be in, on life support or in deep trouble or need or travail. No, he died, as I said, for a victorious church. And we are that church, friends. You are that church. He died and included you in that, not just for your salvation, that you would be part of a larger expression of div divinity, of kingdom that can come here on earth. Jesus only preached one message, your kingdom come. Your will be done. That was his message. Wherever he went, that was the message. So, I'll get into my message now. That's the introduction. 
Thank you. The fivefold ministries are a biblical formation given by Jesus that helps shape the church. Some will even call it this as a form of governance or structural governance that Christ himself has given. And what this highlights for each one of us is this, that when there's the restoration, when there's the implementation of the fivefold ministry graces in the churches, when this happens, then it's a restoration of the original divine plan of God that he breathed into us and as a church, as the church, the bride. And through that, there is incredible restoration for every generation. And many have been impacted because of the fivefold gifting. So Unstoppable means this. Unstoppable God series is about this. That when we build according to God's pattern, we, go, we leave it with Him and we trust Him. And in that space, God is unstoppable. His plan will not be cut short. His will and intention will fulfill. He says he sends forth his word. So it actually will fulfill something and not be cut off. But when we build according to how we feel comfortable and where we feel safe, then we're not building according to the pattern he gave us. And we can't blame him when things go wrong because he did read the instructions. It was a bit like last week, if you remember, Robbie was sharing about his big bulldozer and the Lego. And there was a few times Robbie said as they followed the instructions, they came back and went to put the next piece in and it wouldn't work. So he had to go back a few more pages and a few more. He had the manual there. This is God's manual. This is the manual given to Jesus, from Jesus Christ given to each of us. It's never to elevate man or woman. It's never to say one is more important than the other. These are grace gifts that are given to help all of us grow and mature. And that's what Ephesians chapter four is all about. In fact, the whole book is about this mystery of who we are in Christ, our position, our unity and love is so important. Without that, the gifts are useless. We learn that in Corinthians. If you have not love, it doesn't matter what gift you have, it doesn't bear or represent the kingdom of God. What is the fruit of it? What is the purpose of it? So Ephesians chapter 4 says, So Christ gave himself apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. There's so much here and I could keep going on, but I know for time what we want to do is I'm just going to skim over some of this, but just give you the big blocks. And then I want to finish with a bit of a story that, that I hope will just help you understand why the gifts are needed. But just know this, we don't just need pastors in the church. That's not, that's not the plan of God. That's not the heart of God. We need apostles. We need prophets. We need pastors. We need teachers. And we need evangelists. We need them all. And when, they, when one or two are missing, we feel it. The church feels it. And we overcompensate for the lack. And we do it the way we think it's, it's the way it should be done. And this will help. But it's not God's plan. I'll just leave that with you to draw your own conclusions. Before Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to the body to equip each of us, each of us as a sense of a measure of, of the expression of Christ's ministry. This is what happens. Jesus says that when he gave us gifts, as Paul is writing and has written, what he's saying is Christ is giving of himself to the body of Christ. Not just in, as he died for the church, 
but he also lives for the church and he gives these gifts to the church even now, ever present. He gives these gifts because he is alive. He's not dead. And he wants his bride, who he's going to come back for, to be beautiful and spotless and vibrant and, and ready. Not deflated. Not defeated. I know some of you may have some different ideas. And I know for many this has not been easy uh, subject matter because many of you maybe have not heard about the gifts. We just talk about the pastor. We talk about the teacher a little bit. Or maybe the evangelist. But we leave it all out. We, we choose. We become selective. And that's not biblical. Remember, Revelation says if you add or take away from the word, be very careful. So let's have a look at this. Uh, apostle. The Apostle, and I want to just, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just go to the chart. I think it's page, slide seven. Let's just do a quick summary. Here is the fivefold grace, graces right now. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. Here's the function. This is what we've been speaking about. The Apostle brings a sense of governance and leadership, vision, strategy, long sight, mission. There's a real sense of mission, <clears throat> excuse me, and they build. The prophet, uh, guide, speaks. But we look at the end, look at the goal, revealer. Evangelist gathers, so he's a proclaiming. At the end, recruiter. We have the pastor, he guards, protects. We're going to look at that a little bit because I think some people have a very interesting understanding of what the pastor is here for. And I'll share something about that as well as when we go. Their connector. And then we have the teacher who grounds, equips, logical thinker, implementer, insight, passion, trainer. What this says to me is I can't do all that. And neither can you. And those who have been called and gift these grace gifts, we can't do that. Missionaries can't do that. Some of the missionaries that we have are, are some of these. Some, of the, some people who are gifted don't, maybe don't know it. Maybe they do. Some missionaries are actually apostles. And they go there and they do an incredible work because that's the gift that's flowing through them. And that's what it does. That's the fruit of it. You have some who maybe are missionaries who are, who are prophets or, or even more so evangelists or lean to evangelism. They just want people saved. You can have some people who are missionaries, let alone in every quarter, who are pastoral, very pastoral. They go in there and they just build in this, in this community of networking. Uh, doesn't always grow, but it's a lovely place to visit. Uh, and then you've got the teacher also who grounds and implements. Okay. So I'm whipping through this fairly quickly just for time, but let me let us understand that the apostle is someone who wants to appoint, appoint and anoint. They are endowed with supernatural gifts. Miraculous powers often are, are accompanied with this gift and the place where they go into, they will confront demonic forces and, and powers. I could tell you so many stories of where this has happened. Um, witch doctors and all sorts of things even coming against them and other Satanists and, and other witches and warlocks and all that sort of thing. So many stories, but I'm not going to get into that today, but to say that we need the apostle. We need, we need the apostle. He has a focus to build the kingdom of God. They are relentless. They will, don't, it's bigger than the local church. They believe in the local church, but they want to see the kingdom of God being all that. that that's what they live and breathe for. They bleed for the kingdom. They will die for the kingdom because that's, the, that's the, the innate sense of this gift that burns and churns within them. 
We talked about the prophet, the prophets who speak and speak what they see, what God is revealing to them to help us understand sometimes to get clarity about what God is saying to us, not only as a local church, but the church as well. And so they become speak, spokespeople uh, that speak into the life of the local church, but also the global the prophetic ministry, let me add, is a ministry of guiding. It's a guiding ministry that equips individuals and churches to live an authentic life by receiving divine inspiration under the Holy Spirit. We covered that a few weeks ago. Well, here we go, evangelists. Some of you will know the evangelists. Now, remember I spoke about the hand, the evangelist. Okay, so we've got the apostle. We've got, we've got the We've got the prophet, the pointer. Okay, we've got the evangelist. I'm not going to show you the evangelist um, without offending you. Okay, but it's the middle finger. Okay, it's the longest finger. Okay, let's always say that. I said before, if you receive that finger when you're driving, wave back and say, oh, look, there's an evangelist just there. Okay, if you get that finger. This is the only picture I could find without trying to offend anybody. <laughs> um, it is pointed towards us a little bit, but anyway... Uh, but this is the evangelist, and they're the gatherer recruiter. They are literally messengers of the good news. Evangelists gather by winning people who are not yet in the kingdom. This grace-gifted evangelist carries a great burden for those who are unsaved and have not been reached even. And they will seek to preach the gospel with great conviction, conviction sorry, and they will draw people to the Lord. So we've seen and we've been involved in the ministry of evangelism and I've, we've led many people to the Lord and that we're all meant to be evangelists in that sense and do the work of evangelism, okay? But the gift is, is a very powerful gift and I've sat under ministry of those who are called in grace gift evangelists and my goodness, they just have a powerful authority and the, the richness of the love of Christ as they reach and preach the gospel. Many of you know who's maybe, can you think of anyone who's an evangelist in recent times? Is Billy Graham, was Billy Graham a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist? You make it up. Pastor, have a think about, about that and the fruit and the legacy. So the one clear purpose they have, we talked about they gather in and they recruit people in for the kingdom and they want to reach as many people. So if you have a desire to reach people, you may have this real sense of desire in your heart to reach people, then this is certainly uh, maybe something that God is wanting to unravel in your world. One clear focus, people need the Lord. That's where they live. That's, that's their home. You hear it. They're quite annoying at times. It's like you talk about something, it's like, hey, stop, what are we doing? How are we going to reach the lost? And so you have this tension in church. There's always two tensions in church. On these two gifts, on the pastoral gift and the evangelistic gift. One is saying the church is too caring and too loving and too, too this and that and too whatever and it's not reaching the lost and then the other side, we're too busy reaching the lost that we're not loving and caring enough. And this is where you'll find a lot of tension in churches that exist. And so it shouldn't exist. We should say welcome the evangelist, welcome the pastor, welcome the teacher, welcome the apostle and the prophet. Okay, now the pastor. What's the pastor's role? Well, this is really important. The pastor is to guard and connect. Now, if we think about it, in, in ancient times, shepherds were not very popular people. They lived with the animals, okay? So they smelt, they stunk, they smelt like the animals. You really wouldn't want to hang out with a shepherd, okay? Amongst other things, but they were committed to the sheep. But what was their primary role when they were looking after the sheep, when they were taking the sheep out from one area to another? And it's still the same today, to protect and correct. 
the staff in, in Psalm 23. It's about correction and bringing them back and wooing them back and say, hey, you're drifting over here a little bit. You need to come back. You need to, this is where it's safe. And so sometimes we think the pastor is about doing all the work, but the pastor's role is to make sure that the place, the church, the people, the fold, the paddock, wherever, whatever it is in the context, is that they are protected and corrected. I've had to do that a number of times as a pastor, sit with people in meetings that were terrible meetings, hate that. I just, the days I don't want to be a pastor, they're the days I want to be an evangelist and just go down, walk down the streets and just get lost in a, have a coffee latte with someone and whatever. But there are conversations that come up from time to time that are just, they're not easy to bear. In fact, I heard of a story, this is a true story, I've got to be careful. Oh, so many things that are going on in our place. You know, we heard before and I think you really set today up really well. Carolyn, because we are living in a time where there is a real sense of, of heaviness and, and demonic attack against God's people, against the church, against people in general, particularly in Australia. I don't want to get right into that now, but there's others who can speak into that. But some of you might be able to feel it and sense it. Only recently, uh, I won't even say the state because it might give it away, a church, a Baptist church of about 600 people, it's going really well. And there was a few little issues going on, though. It was doing okay, but there was a few little nigs and things happening in the background. It got to the point, and this is a long story short, the pastor, the elders, the leadership team, in one week, resigned. They just walked out of the church. The church went from 600 to about 100, and it's dwindling down. And it's hemorrhaging. I mean, it's bleeding. It's massively in bleed. Pastors don't abandon the sheep, no matter how bad it is. Unless it's your own wellness and good welfare, you don't abandon the sheep. The shepherd would never do that. And Jesus said that they would lie in a gateway and become the gateway to hand the sheep in so no wolves or prey or anybody else could take damage or hurt or harm the sheep. I don't know, I know a bit about the situation that happened with this particular church and I'm not trying to judge. But there needs to be a process, you just don't rock up anymore one week and everyone just, just is gone. So you can imagine the devastation, you can imagine what the community is aware of and as they hear and see. That's not the way it's meant to be. Now the, we do know that after COVID there's been a 40% rise of conflict in churches. 40%. It was actually higher at the start. It went down up to, up to about 60. It's now about 40%. So, so that's, that, that's what's happening because we're all still reeling with the trauma of what has happened. There's a global trauma, but I don't get back much into that now. I was going to say that's the sad. So when we talk about the pastor, the pastor is to guard, he is to protect and correct. He's not to wander off and not care about the sheep if you know what I mean. So some of you know that, but that's important that you can understand that. It speaks about that in 1 Peter 5 and John 21 and Ephesians 4.11. When you word, look at the word pastor, it speaks of pastor, shepherd, elder, overseer. Different denominations have different words to help to uh, uh, put this into play in their own context. So pray for the pastor, pray for the evangelist, pray for the prophet and the, and the apostle but definitely pray for the pastor who is, as I'll share a little bit later on, is sometimes uh, in the middle here of trying to balance everything 
out. The word pastor is derived from even the Latin word uh, and it means to feed or to gaze. So uh, when the sheep, their responsibility is to feed the sheep, to give them insight and to hear from what the Lord is saying to us, to encourage us, but also to empower you. I'm not to do all this, but we are to have systems and in place and this governance understanding that empowers every believer, not for people. Remember the church, Rome church, first one of the early century church, the only people who could have a Bible was the priest. You weren't allowed, it was against the law to have a Bible. You weren't allowed to read your own Bible, you weren't allowed to have it because they wanted to control it. That's not the fivefold ministry gifting to say no. Now it's, it's, it's a lot different and we've, we've seen some things and we've moved certainly a long way from that. You can have your phone, uh, on your phone you can have the complete Bible plus about 50 commentaries I think I've got or something, or about 20 commentaries but different translations. So we have the pastor guards and he connects. Then we have the teacher. Some often want to assume and say there's only four, uh, fivefold, or fourfold giftings and that is that the teacher and pastor are one. That's often the case but not always. And so you can have some pastors or not teachers, but can, can teach. And you'll have some teachers who, who are great at teaching, but not at pastoring as well. And so they're just a couple of thoughts there. Teachers teach, of course, uh, to edify the church, causing believers to hunger or become more hungry for the word of God. And we can think of Apollos in Acts 18. There's lots of scriptures for these, but let me just sum this up in the sense of where Jesus sits with this. Jesus was the model of all these fivefold graces. I've shared this before. In Hebrews 3, it says Jesus is the apostle and high priest in our faith. As a prophet, Jesus is the proclaimer of truth, the revealer of God's heart, and he foretold events that were to happen as well as they, that they were. Deuteronomy 18, we have John 4, where he was talking to the woman at the well, and she goes, I perceive you to be a prophet. Jesus didn't deny that. In fact, Jesus at one point, a prophet is not welcome in his own town, home, speaking of himself. Jesus was an evangelist. Jesus was the greatest proclaimer of the good news that the world has ever seen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said in Luke 4, because the Lord has anointed me to do what? To bring the good news. Evangelism, the evangelist gift right there, grace. So you can see how Jesus is modelling this, demonstrated this, so that we can go, so the church that he died for can go empowered, not be disempowered. Okay. Then we have the, uh, the pastor in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We just talked a little about that. And then he said, the teacher. John 13 says, you call me teacher, this is Jesus speaking, and Lord, and you are right, for I am. So Jesus made it quite clear, and there are many other verses as well. So Jesus did not hide from the fact that these fivefold ministry grace gifts were evident in his life and ministry and are for the church as well. If Jesus demonstrated them and, and included them as an important part of the mission that he came to die for the church and for the world, don't you think we should pay a little attention to and think, gee, maybe we need that as well? I think so. The whole context of this is that the in this chapter is for unity, maturity, growth in the knowledge of Jesus. Let's have a look at this. The fivefold apostles promote unity and maturity through their authority, fathering and correction. The fivefold prophets promote unity and maturity through casting vision and correcting the course. 
They keep the vision before the people. The fivefold evangelists promote unity and maturity by imparting the burden for those who are not yet in the fold. We heard a little bit of the, the gift almost this morning of what Julie was sharing about the, the need to reach people but to do it in a relational space but still the burden, I can hear the burden that these people need Jesus. These young people, our schools need Jesus in the schools. Sometimes the schools don't want them but they need Jesus. You know, it's not about what we want, it's what we need. The fivefold pastor promotes unity and maturity by bringing the sheep together in a protective fold and making it a safe place. They make the body hungry, uh, sorry, yep, uh, and they encourage the flock to care for each other. And the fivefold teacher promotes unity and maturity by bringing the truth together, the body of doctrine, to bear on practical situations. And we have many of these teachers now that have been taken out of the church. And they're employed professionally as teachers in universities and Bible colleges. Now, I think Bible colleges are a great thing and I'm all for it. But I really believe the local church, the church, was actually called to do this. But we haven't, we're not developing teachers. We're not developing pastors. We're not developing evangelists and prophets and apostles. We're leaving it to, to different other entities and parachurch organisations to do that. That's just my personal opinion. I really believe the local church was meant to do it. But I understand I've got a lot of good friends who are professors and teachers, and so I love them, and God bless you, you're doing amazing work. Uh, please send all mail to Gabe at Gabe Fifat, whatever. <laughs> so friends, the church is called as God's people to flourish, to be evergreen, to be a place of life and health and unity. Not conformity, but diversity. Still having our own opinions and being unique in who we are but understanding how important it is to share a covenant relationship together. Again, I say that Paul stated that the fivefold graces are gifts that are meant to be fully released to do their work. That God will use them in a divine way to assist and help the church to go from uh, or leave childish ways and behaviours and to grow up and be spiritual. That we be strong, that we are released, that we're empowered, and that we're enabled to unify. And maybe this church, many years ago, we've heard the stories where there was a lot of sending. Maybe there's a real apostolic call on this church that maybe never one ever talked about, because it's really about that, about sending as well as developing and releasing. So about keeping and holding. Pastors like to do that. It's like, just let's all stay. We don't like to see people leave or move on, but the reality is that's what happens, and we need to be really big about that because we need to see that the kingdom of God is what really matters. These are, these are really important. I'm, I'm really summing it down here. Jesus is essentially saying, as I said earlier, I am parting my graces and gifts to you. Verse 13, so you will reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ church is a glorious church, friends for his purpose of working through us so that we can work through. Like what we heard before, I think Carol might have mentioned that. As we share our testimony, it encourages others to see that God is working in them or to believe more that if it happens for them and God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And everything lifts. It's, we call that redemption lift. As an element of faith, it starts to encourage us to believe, yes, God is with me. In verse 16, the whole body depends on Christ and through by whom all the parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part supporting joint and ligament does its own work 
that does its own work, performs its function to make the whole body, all of it, work and grow and to be strong. It means to be built up in love and that's the expanded Bible version. I'm going to ask you in the next few moments, I'm going to share with a close of a story, but to, uh, just in a scenario of what they, how these gifts work. Pray and ask God, what is the gift that you've given me? What is, what is your calling for me, Lord? This is not an hour to, 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 to rest back. No matter how old you are, you can pray into this, you can encourage, and we need to be that place of warmth and encouragement and empowering and releasing our younger generation. It was so awesome when we had an opportunity to see uh, Caleb uh, graduate and there's others, uh, no, Sarah's not here, is she? No, no. Others just graduate on uh, Thursday night at Leyland's and just to see uh, 30-something young people getting up and some of them sharing their stories about what they want to do and, and just hearing, though, their passion and the love for Jesus. And that's what we want to see and that they take that into the real world now. The bubble's over. Now the real world begins and, and that we're there to support them. Let me read you this scenario. I read this uh, some time back and I'm going to close with this. They again ask you to, to think about your role and your position here. Your gift, your grace. Why are you here? Why are we doing what we do? And so I, I came across this and let me just read out to you. I'll stick to it as much as I can. I want you to imagine with me for a few moments of an accident scene where you've arrived at an intersection and there are a couple of cars that unfortunately collided. The firefold gifts spring into action. They arrive like superheroes at the intersection. And this is maybe somehow generally how it may look. The apostle shows up and immediately moves into supernatural healing with signs and wonders. He goes to the car wreckage. He sees those who are injured and sick and, and who are sick. And in Jesus' name, he says, I command your body to be healed. Thank you for that person, Lord. You are healed in Jesus' name. And they start going and administrating the other gifts to the other bystanders and people who are watching on. And they start to cast vision of how we can avoid car accidents in the future and how we can stop car accidents ever, ever coming again or happening. And they say that if we get equipped and if we are trained properly and we can actually go out and make sure that then there'll be no more car accidents again. That's the real heart of the apostle. Well, the prophet shows up. He says, or she says, I knew this was going to happen. God showed me in a dream last night, but nobody listens. The prophet turns up and he says, what's going on here? And he begins, or she begins to call out purpose and destiny over the victims. Don't worry about your injuries. I see that you're going to live and not die. You're going to walk in your calling and anointing and purpose in Jesus' name. Then all the bystanders, they go to them and they start calling life over them and you've got this gift and you've got this call and they start to speak the things of God and of Christ over them. Then they start to say, have you heard God speak to you lately? Are you hearing God? Let me equip you to help you hear the voice of God so you can avoid accidents like this happening again in your life. That's what the prophet does. While the evangelist comes, he comes to the scene, he doesn't really care about who's been injured. He just goes straight to the, to the injured person and he only has one question for them. If you were die tonight, would you know for certain that you were with Jesus? Would you end up in heaven? Well, here's three points about the gospel message I need to share with you. Do you know you're a sinner? 
that Jesus died for you and you need to make a decision to get a right relationship with him. Good, you're now saved. Okay, then the evangelist goes to the bystanders. Are you saved? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you given your heart to Jesus? And they go and he's sharing some more, finding whoever and telling them about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is the evangelist. He's trying to say you need to be uh, encouraged to, to join a, a, a class or a school where you can learn to reach people better and to be effective in your communication. And then he says, come along and uh, I'll run this class and we'll learn how to share Jesus with confidence and surety. Well, the pastor turns up to this accident. Thank God for the pastor. The pastor is the only one who calls triple zero. <laughs> the paramedics arrive. They look after the dudes and the injured people in the car. The pastor comes along. He's the only one out of all the gifts that's got his first aid kit with him. You never know. I've actually got one in the car. I've got one in two, two cars. I've got about four first aid kits. But anyway, it's the same. He walks up and he starts wrapping up bandages and caring for people. He gets out the tissues and the water. Do you need a drink? Do you need some water? Uh, um, then he goes around and he says, are you okay? Are you having a chat with the, the, the victims? Uh, do, you need, do you need a mental health check day? All these conversations are happening. Let's stop and gather together for a moment. Let's see uh, uh, if we can walk this season out together. Is there ways I can help you? And is there courses that we've got for you to, to recover and to get well? That's the pastor's journey. He journeys with the families and talks with people about the accident and just helps that they're recovering well and providing great protection there. Well, the teacher shows up. He's altogether different again, as we said. And of all the fivefold graces, he's not interested really in the people. He's just interested in how it happened. And so he gets his book out and he starts looking at the, at the break marks. He looks at where, they, where the accident happened, what the poles were involved, how it all happened, what went wrong. He starts to take notes. They start to implement and interpret all that's happened and starts to write a textbook out. And he said, this is what happened here and that must have started there. And so the teacher gets all the information. This car hit here. This is what happened here. And then he says, I'm going to write a manual up on discipleship and leadership training. They'll also include how to prevent accidents. Okay? And it'll all help us to understand then how we can avoid accidents from this day forward. I'm going to teach you how to edit the textbook and I'm going to write manuals to help you how to avoid this ever happening in your life again. Can someone say amen? <laughs> I like that. Because the reality is that we need the gifts, all of them, to help us. To help us in this day and age, help us for the generations that come, come after us. Can I ask you this? Pray about what God is saying to you in your heart. What is God speaking to you about? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask right now, there's a lot here and I know there could be even a lot more said. But what we do acknowledge is we humble ourselves today because we know that I don't have it all. I don't have all the gifts. It's not for one person to wield around or to use to manipulate or control. But as your humble servant, Lord, I ask that we, all of us would just really appreciate the fivefold gifts and graces that you have given us, Jesus, to help us to be the church and the people you have called us to be. Forgive us, Lord, when we've, we've been sometimes just protective of what we have, protective of our environment, protective of what has been or even what is. But help us, Lord, to allow these gifts to be open enough and, and to have enough faith and trust in you and in the leaders, Father, 
and those even that we're accountable to, Lord, as pastors and leaders. Father, to see your church grow, to see your church thrive, that ultimately the kingdom of God would advance and that your sons and daughters, all of the Most High King, would grow in maturity and strength and go grow from one day to the next. So I humbly ask, Lord, I hope I've done, done justice this day and over this series, that we all understand and appreciate that it's not what we want to do, it's what you want to do through us and working in us. So thank you. Thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you you never abandon us, you never leave us, like we heard with a tragic and very difficult story of, of what happened with that church. We thank you that you stay with us and you are the good shepherd, the good shepherd of our souls. And I pray for everyone here today, whatever the burden you have, whatever the pain, whatever the challenge, whether the uncertainty, whatever the issues that you're dealing with right now, I just ask you, keep praying, keep lifting them up to Jesus, inviting Jesus into those situations. Invite Jesus and expect him and trust him with your life. I pray this in Jesus' name and have a wonderful weekend. Amen. Thanks.